a wonderful worship song, being able to look into heaven, the place we are going to be, worshiping the Holy One of God, Jesus Christ. I, uh, heaven is a story of um, second chances, I believe. The whole idea of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world being there is the story of God saving people, giving us a second chance. I love stories of second chances, do-overs. I love stories of underdogs, comeback stories. I love those kinds of stories. And Jessica and I were able to uh, get away and have a date night, which is rare for our family. And uh, we were able to go see the recently released movie, American Underdog. Uh, raise your hand if you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, I rarely recommend a movie. I recommend seeing American Underdog. It's the story of a quarterback, or of the quarterback, Kurt Warner, who was uh, stocking shelves at a supermarket. He went from stocking shelves at a supermarket to becoming an American football star, winning the Super Bowl five years later. Kurt wanted to be a football player from a young age. He spent several years as the quarterback of the University of Northern Iowa. And in 1994, he entered the NFL as an obscure undrafted quarterback with the Green Bay Packers. But after training camp, he failed to impress and he was cut from the team. Needing a job, he took a position stocking the shelves at a local grocery store in Cedar Falls. He made only $5.50 an hour doing that, but he didn't give up. During this time, God was opening doors in his life and shutting many other doors. And in 1995, he returned to football and joined the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena Football League, a professional indoor league, if you remember that. And Warner quickly became a standout player in the AFL, earning honors and bringing his team to the Arena Bowl in 1996 and 1997. A door opened wide in 1999 when Warner got a call from the NFL's St. Louis Rams, and finally, this awesome opportunity is made for him. And during his preseason, the team's starting quarterback suffered a season-ending injury, and Warner was ready at this time. His teammates backed him. The coach said, we're going to play good football, and he got his chance. He would lead the team to their first Super Bowl title, defeating the Tennessee Titans in 2000, when he also won the league and Super Bowl MVP. Awesome story. Right after the Rams win the Super Bowl, an interviewer runs up to Warner and says, Kurt, first things first, tell me about the final touchdown pass to Isaac. And he responded, well, first things first, I've got to thank my Lord and Savior above. Thank you, Jesus. He would also go on to say, and there's many great things that he said, um, I, he says, I love first chances, but unfortunately, first chances don't always work out for everyone, and I'm a perfect example of that. that he, he understands this God of second chances. Now, I love the movie. There was some times of tears uh, rejoicing, times of tears because we could identify of some of the struggles they went through. There was times I was cheering when he made the touchdowns in the past, and Jessica had to kind of pat me to settle down. It's a movie. It's not a real game. I was so excited watching it. But I love the story. It's a story of second chances. It's also a story of when God opens this moment, this door of opportunity for His glory to be shined in the world. Uh, the Warners, they could have rejected God. And if you follow their story, um, his wife just struggles and challenges and trials, heartbreak along the way. They could have rejected God at any moment. 
But he still believed that God had a plan for his life and that God would open a door. Even the directors making this movie said this, I do think that God's on the move in Hollywood. God's at work in Hollywood. There are doors that are flying wide open that have never been opened before. Now, church, I want you to know that we have a wonderful God who opens doors. He is the God of second chances, the God of do-overs. He is the God that opens doors wide for us to achieve our dreams, what we've been called to do to fulfill His mission, advance His mission in the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit today. If you would, turn with me. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 3. We're just peeking into the book of Revelation. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. I recommend reading the first few chapters, the entire book, if you want to. And as we do, two things. The book of Revelation, you may hear people say, Revelations. It's kind of like you hear people say, I'm going to Walmarts. It's Walmart, unless you go to two west and east side, then it's Walmarts, right? Or Walmart, however we change it. But we often say Revelations. It is one revelation. It is the apocalypsis of God. And it is not the revelation of John. We often say John the Revelator. It is the revelation, if you read chapter 1, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ that is given to Apostle John who gives us this message. Just a little brief thing here as we get in. So Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. Now when it says to the angel, that means the messenger. We believe that to be the pastor here, the leader of the church in Philadelphia. Brotherly love, the church of brotherly love. And he says, write these, the words of the Holy One, that Christ is the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David. This is not the same as the keys given to the Apostle Peter. Who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. Any church in the world has little power. And yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not. That is a message for us today. There are many people within churches that are of the household or the synagogue of Satan. They say they are Jews, but they are not. They say they are Christians, but they are not. But lie, behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of, about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. By the way, God's calendar, His timeline, is always soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you that your son appeared to the Apostle John for him to see this revelation you gave him. And Lord, today I pray you internalize these words as you write in the beginning and tell us these things that were, that are, that will be. That we are to hear them, we are to speak them and read them as we read today. That we are to believe them, not deny them, not change any of the words. Bless your words as they go forward. Let us receive them, 
Let us be the disciples You've called us to be. Those who forsake sin. Those who place their faith in You that follow You and are fruitful. And Lord, today, help us to see You for all that You are. The God of second chances. The God of do-overs. The God who opens and shut doors. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now church, last week we spent time looking at our sovereign God who gave Jonah a second chance. And given Jonah the second chance, it gave the Ninevites second chances. God has given us second chances that others may have second chances around along the way. He is the God of do-overs. I love that. And He is the mighty God who opens doors for us. And in our text today, we see that God is the God who will and does open doors for us. And we're going to get into this too. He is the God who shuts doors. He is not just the God who opens. He is the God who shuts. He's not just the God who loves. He is the God who judges. He is the lion. He is the lamb. He is merciful. He is sovereign. And yet, He is severe at the same time. And throughout history, God has opened doors for for major spiritual things to happen. He called Abraham and opened a door wide open where Abraham could go in, called out from the Ur of the Chaldees into the promised land to have the promised sea that God opened the door for Moses for all the people to cross through the Red Sea, parted the waters, a door wide open. He opened the door for David to be made king, to be anointed, to defeat Goliath. He opened the door for Joshua to cross over the Jordan, to take Jericho. He has opened the door for Peter who denied Jesus Christ, getting a second chance. And then God opens this mighty door for Peter to preach and thousands are saved. He opened the mighty door for Paul to establish Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. He has opened many doors in the early church. He is still opening doors today to spread the gospel around the world. God has a plan to open doors in your life. If you are obedient to Him and you are mindful and you are watchful, God opens doors. Again, Revelation 3, 8-9, through 9, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. We don't have great power. But God has great power to work in us, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. A little bit about what is going on here, the church at Philadelphia was uh, the one um, who was true to God's word. If you go through the book of Revelation, the first few chapters, it go through seven churches, all God commends, and, and he also has something to say. And this is the only church that he commends all the way through. And for all intents and purposes, it represents churches all around the world which remain true to the word of God regardless of their titles, regardless of their denominations. Now, Jesus commends this church several times for several reasons, and I want you to know just historically, this church in Ephesus or Philadelphia would be the church that would bring the good news to India. I mean, they're sending out missionaries. It is a missionary church. And here he says, I know your works And every church should be known for their good works. Our Lord is looking over and watching every church and every believer, and He is reviewing churches to see where they are faithful, where they need improvement. If they've lost their first love, and here it is, I know their works. He sees the spiritual work. He sees evidence of their faith. James says this, not on the screen, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It is easy to say, I have faith, 
But the evidence of faith is our works. But there is something here that produces these works. And here it is. The door um, for works has an origin. Why do I work for the Lord? Why do I do this thing? And it says here, Jesus says, I have set before you an open door. Now, I believe that this is a full access pass to Jesus Christ Himself, but more specifically, an open door to the knowledge of the Scriptures of who Jesus is. And this means that if He opens a door for you, it is for you to come inside, to be with Him, to make your home with Him, to move in. And He will open a door of opportunity for witnessing and for proclaiming the Word of God. But before you can, you have to move into the life of Christ. You have to walk through the open door that He has given you. You can't proclaim the Word of God if you don't walk through the door into the fully accessible Christ. How can I share His words if I'm not in relationship with the Logos, the Word, Jesus Christ? The Lord commends this church here again. You have kept my Word. In a day where they were denying the inspiration of Scripture, much like they are doing today, denying the authority of the Word of God, in this church, they kept the Word. Um, and this is something you need to know today. We have to keep Christ's Word. It is His truth that sets people free. You do not set people free by denying the Word of God. You do not set them free by telling them lies. And it says here, and have not denied my name. Here it is. They've kept his word and they've not denied him. There are those who do say they believe in the word of God, but they deny Christ and others deny Christ and say they have the word of God. It is both Christ and his word. People are denying Christ in droves today. We live in an age where people would rather sit at home and have nothing to do with God. People are denying Christ with their very lives, their action, their speech, their behavior, the doctrines they make up. And, and many churches today, and I want you to hear this, many churches, and I want you to notice, take notice when you drive through any town, any city, at any church where they raise the gay flag, they are taking down the cross. They are not raising the cross of Christ. You, they have elevated an agenda of sexuality over the deliverance of Jesus Christ only found in Him. Years ago, um, we, had, we had gone into ministry. We moved to Arkansas and Kentucky. We made our way back to Raleigh. It had only been a few years. We moved back and I was delivering mail again in Raleigh. And I would have churches on my route. In many churches out front, they would have the gay pride flag. They would have Black Lives Matter signs and all these social agenda things on their yard. And there was no mention of Christ. Some churches or caretakers of the earth, we need to take care of these things and all that. Just a, a doctrine that was going downhill. And I remember delivering mail. I had to deliver on some Sundays because Amazon has taken over the post office. They have to deliver Amazon packages on Sunday. And I had to work some Sundays. Delivering mail, delivering packages, I went down this route. And here it is, there's a church and it has the gay pride flag out front. It has the Black Lives Matter. And when I say that, obviously lives matter. Black Lives Matter, but not the Marxist agenda of Black Lives Matter. You get the difference? I hope you do. And I looked in. I wanted to take notice. Okay, they got this and this and this. So I wanted to look in at the church. It had a big window in the front. I looked in. 
And it was just a group of old people, all white, meeting together, dressed really nice, nice cars out front. And I was just thinking, what a lie. All it is is virtue signaling. Trying to act like we are being virtuous. And, and Raleigh is diverse. You should have more than just some white people in your church in Raleigh. But we're for other lives and we're all for these things. It is a farce. When they elevate all these other agendas over the agenda of God that saves lives, we need to know the difference. People are not saved by denying Christ and His truth. They're not. That's why a lot of those churches in the beginning, they begin to decline because they're not having salvation experiences. Now they can grow bringing in people as part of the club and people part of the social agenda. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 33, But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. We cannot deny Him. We cannot deny His Word. We must keep His Word. If we remain faithful, God will open a door, and God opened a wide door for the Apostle Paul to deliver the good news throughout the Roman Empire. He brings the good news to Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And here it is. He opens a wide door. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 8-9, Paul has written to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about the church in Ephesus. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door, a megas door, for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul is declaring to the Corinthian church that a great door for the work of God has opened in Ephesus, and he plans to stay to continue to work in this place. The good news of Jesus was radically changing lives. I preached a message about a year and a half ago about God moving in, the gospel coming to Ephesus. Demons were cast out. People were rejecting idolatry. People were turning from witchcraft. God had opened a mighty wide door. And that is my prayer for Casper. I hope it is your prayer too that God continues to open a door. It gets wider for the gospel to come in and save lives. We're praying for more opportunities to share the gospel and to serve people. But take note, church. There are, what does Paul say here? God has opened this mighty door, this wide door. For the effectual work. But it reminds us there are many adversaries. This is the reality check for us. You see it underlined here. Um, We have an adversary. He is Satan. This is not some made up fictional person. And I want you to know there is false religions and doctrines that teach that Jesus and Satan are brothers. They are not brothers. Jesus is God. He is not created. Satan is an angel. He was created. He denied God, rejected God, has fallen. He is an enemy of God. He is an enemy of the church. He is an adversary of the work in the church. And I want you to know that Satan has many adversaries on his team who do not want you to accomplish what God has called you to do. I have been watching it for years. When somebody starts stepping out in faith and following Jesus Christ, Satan interrupts the walk. I have baptized people for years and I watch them as they slowly disconnect from the church and drift because they're pounded by Satan, the adversary. Satan wrecks their schedule. Their priorities are not there and they walk away from the faith. Satan is an adversary. He has people on his team in the church working against the mission of God. And anytime you're being used of God in his mission, they're going to be adversaries. You will face opposition from family members. 
I shared this last year. A lot of people are starting to share these days. And we're, I'm doing my best as a pastor called by God to work through cultural issues. Um, but they just, they're radically, it's coming faster and faster and changing. And it's hard, it's hard to keep up. I have family in town. I can't come to church. I was waiting for Jessica's parents to say they couldn't come to church. I was waiting for them because I was saying, look, I didn't tell my church you guys are going to be here. I was ready to click and buy a ticket. We were going to send them home early if they pulled that. I'm joking. I'm joking. We have resistance from family members. When God called me into ministry, you know, there's people that support you. There's family members that mock you. There's people that you think are your friends who will be your adversaries. Come on, you don't need to do that church thing, that God thing. People who you thought were your friends. Random things will happen to interrupt your walk. Even people in the church. It is sad to say that some people think that having control is more important than fulfilling the mission of God. Church, the church has gone wrong for decades with people trying to control things in the church rather than walking in the Spirit and following the mission of God. Now I'm going to be honest with you. God opened a wide door for us to come to Casper. I cannot deny that. God was closing the door in North Carolina. We perceived that. We saw this door open up. And uh, we cannot deny the wonderful work that God has been doing since we've been here. Uh, but it's not been without adversaries. And I want you to know, now I've been documenting stuff. I'm going to write a book one day. And I eventually am going to share some of the testimonies of what we've had to deal with throughout ministry and uh, even here in this church, in this community. But I want to share with you this morning how bad it has gotten. I have some friends who are part of a ministry team and they were at a church. And somebody who was an adversary in the church... Uh, raise your hand if you know what a deep fake is. It is where they can actually digitally put your face on someone else and you can't even, you can't even tell now. It looks real. Well, they took their faces, um, their spouses, even some of their children, and put them in pornography. This is what, how bad things have become. Now, I've thought some of the stuff I've had to deal with was bad, but it's getting even worse. And... and I mean, I can tell you all kinds of details, but is that, and the FBI has investigated some of this stuff because it is um, some of the stuff, even their children, and have sold it or put it out there in the pornographic world. That's how sinister things are in the church, that people are so mad at people who are good ministers. I want you to know this is what has happened. Satan deceives people in the church because when you finally get a good pastor... It's almost like, well, he should be bad. So we need to make up something to make him bad. We have people that used to be a part of this church who are still carrying on false narratives that were never true. I have documented everything. I can prove things. But they still lie. Here's the thing. If you repent, there's forgiveness. If you don't, God is going to come against you. They are adversaries. But here it is. We've stayed the course. People are staying the course. Every church has its challenges, but when God is working, Satan shows up with his false ministers to stop it. And here's the thing. They do not get to shut the door. If God has opened the door, I don't care who comes in here. 
I don't care how much money they have. I don't care what their title is. If they are working against the ministry of God, God will actually stop them and war against them. They don't get to stop the work of God. They don't get to shut the door because God opens the door. They can slander. They can create false narratives. They can manipulate people with money. But they do not get to shut the door. Here's the thing. Do your best to not get entangled with adversaries. And sometimes they could be your friends. We've been friends for years, for decades. And now this person is an adversary in the church. And this is what perplexes me. How can somebody pretend to love the good shepherd while warring against the shepherd God has called? I think people are going to arrive at the judgment and think they've made it to heaven as a Christian. And they're going to find out, no, you were an adversary. You were deceived. And that's sad to think that that could happen. For me, I will keep his word and will not deny him, though many pretenders and adversaries have come and gone along the way. The next thing I want you to see, God opens doors. They're wide open. God actually shuts doors, church. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who holds who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Church, we have to stop trying to open doors that God has shut. And sometimes God shuts the doors on certain ministries, and here it is, we're so used to a certain ministry, and even if it's not fruitful, we keep trying to open the door for it. There's churches in many communities still trying to do VBS where they bring in a bunch of kids, they try to talk them into being saved, then they celebrate. We had 50 conversions this week after talking kids into saying they're saved, and none of them become part of the church. Now, every once in a while, you'll get a random family that trinkles in. But I want you to know, all this money and all this time and all this effort that has gone into all these ministries, God has actually shut the door on. We need to have spiritual eyes to recognize. There's sometimes that God shuts the door. Some people keep pursuing relationships with people that God keeps shutting the door on. I mean, recognize when God has shut the door. When God does His pruning, here's the thing. Pruning hurts. John chapter 16 my father is the vine dresser. And um, we are the vines of the branch. Jesus said, I'm the, the vine, you are the branches. If someone doesn't produce fruit, he cuts them off. If you are producing fruit, he prunes you. Pruning hurts. Be thankful when God cuts away something. This church is in a wonderful place. I perceive it. I hope you perceive it. The culture of a church, the spirit of a church is very lovely. Do you know why it is this way? Because God has done some pruning. Now I think God has shut some doors on many churches and have not, that have not kept His word, that have denied Him. Uh, people show up to these churches, they go through the motions, but the door is shut on the mission. God can remove His light and influence from a church. It says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 5. We have it on the screen here. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Always a reminder. Some people just say, repent is an Old Testament thing. It is New Testament. Metanoia. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Repentance twice. If you're not preaching the word of God, if you deny Jesus, Jesus comes in. You're not a church. 
snuffs it out, removes the light. Now, they may still have a, a multi-million dollar building, an expensive building. They may still have some meetings, but the lamp is gone. God has shut doors in my life. Now, here it is. This is a spiritual thing. Who, who shut the door to the ark? When Noah went in, God actually shut the door. And in so shutting them in, he shut some out. He is the God who shuts doors. Who sent the angel to shut the mouths of the lion, of the lions? You know, you've seen drawings over the years of lions with their mouths wide open with Daniel. No, no, no. The angel shut their mouths. God sent the angel to shut the mouths of the lion. God has the power to shut things. Now, from time to time, we get a call to interview at places. And years ago, I was invited to interview somewhere. And we, it makes you feel good. When you're going through a battle in the church and you get a call, hey, we have an opportunity. You're like, thankfully, someone likes us, you know. Y'all didn't laugh. Okay, we're moving on. Um, but years ago, we were invited to an interview and we, we, we felt like God opened the door. We walked through it. But then we realized this was not the situation for us. God actually closed the door. And I have, I have some mentors in my life and I was sharing this story with a mentor and he said this, and I want you to hear this. He said, Derek... Thank God for closed doors. That God is closing doors in your life. There's some things that you, need, you don't need to go down some certain roads. There's certain relationships that God has closed the doors on. Now, He closed the door and that person may come back. You've got to keep the door closed. You don't need to open it. But we try to open some of these doors that God opens. It's okay to let God shut the door for a promotion if it's not right. I've been in interviews where I felt the interview went awesome. I was like, I got that job. I was like, I'm not getting the call. They said they were going to call. And I've called back and said, well, <laughs> you know. And you feel crushed. But that's a good thing. Because God closed the door. Imagine what could have happened. That you could have gone into a job. You really didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. What if they had been embezzling and you're the new person coming in? And you're going to be responsible for that. Or it could hurt your family, it could hurt your marriage, it could hurt your schedule. You think, you're, oh, I'm going to make lots of more money, you end up spending more time there, and it affects your faith. Church, be thankful when God closes doors. Now here's the thing I want to close with you. Finally, sometimes we need to keep knocking on some doors. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, and this is what we're going to close with is that God gives us opportunities and sometimes doors are closed that need to be opened. And we need to seek God in the matter. We need to pray to Him and ask and seek and knock. Jesus says this, Ask and it will be opened to you. Seek and you will find, I love this, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. And here it is that God has opened a wonderful door of opportunity in Casper to win people to Him, but there's some more doors that need to be opened. And this is how we have to be as a church, going to God, we want to get in, God. We want an opportunity to win this person to you. We want to be involved in this ministry. Lord, I've had this relationship with a friend. It's kind of severed, but I want to lead them to you. Open the door of opportunity. And church, this is what I want to close with you today. That we are knocking on the door. That we are asking and seeking God for people to be saved. Because the wide door is already open. 
But we have to get into certain places and certain areas and certain relationships that God can open the door for as long as we ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock persistently. So as we close in prayer, you may have someone or a person, a family member, a friend as the lesson that Mary's putting together, praying for lost loved ones. Let's begin today to knock. And ask for God to open these opportunities that people can be saved. For friends to not be ashamed of the gospel. That they may be saved. That they will have the open door of salvation made available to them. Let's close in prayer. Father, often as we meet... Spirit speaks to us and convicts us about certain things in our lives. And I pray today that we are perceiving open doors. That we know that you have opened a great door for us to be saved. For people in Casper to be saved. And I pray that we are mindful of adversaries. I pray if there's anybody here today that has made relationship with people who are enemies that go from church to church and cause problems, that they just sever the relationship, that they perceive the reality of enemies, that we build our relationship with you and with the the church, the body of Christ, those who are authentic. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to shut doors that need to be shut. And when you do, I pray that we are thankful you are the God who opens and the God who shuts and no one can open. And I pray today, Lord, that we are a people that are asking and seeking and knocking. Asking and seeking and knocking for family members, for friends, for co-workers, neighbors, people that have drifted from the faith. And Lord, I pray that we are out just invite crazy again, inviting people to you, inviting people to church that they may come to know you. That these wide doors open to them to receive the gospel. That they may have eternal life. That they believe the good news that you saved them. We pray this together. In Jesus' name, amen. The church time got away from us, which means I preached a long message. Uh, If you would stand as we are dismissed. And last week I talked about depending on the sovereignty of God and His plan and being patient. And I know that you have family members, that you have issues that you're going through, but we can lean in on the sovereignty of God, that He has a plan that we continue and persistently ask and seek and not. Church, you are loved. Go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. God bless you.